turn to, to, we're going to three passages that deal with our subject. You know, last, well, I guess it wasn't last week, it was week before, we had right at over 21 or better seniors that are graduating and uh, starting a, a new deal. But along with that, some people get frazzled, dazzled about that. And if the child or the adult that doesn't get frazzled, dazzled, the parents do. What's my kid going to do in the future? Well, are they going to college? Uh, what are they going to do? And so I know some of you would quickly say, well, I can tell you right now, I don't worry. Well, that's the title of the message. I don't worry. Well, in Luke chapter 10, if you'll turn there with me, we find a beginning passage in Luke 10 where Jesus talks about, and and it's a famous parable, or not parable, but teaching, of where Jesus in verse 38 As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, there came, or they came to a village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Her sister Mary sat at Jesus, or the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was worrying over the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't this seem a bit unfair to you that my sister just sits here While I do all the work, tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are so upset over all these details. There's really only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and I won't take it away from her. Well... This is a a passage that a lot of people have their own definitely interpretation about. But my guess is 99%, I would say, I'm not taking away from the spiritual growth of anybody, but, you know, the more spiritual you are, the more spiritual you claim to be, I just like to get you alone because I'll find out most likely you're more like Martha than you are Mary. Put on a good front, put on a good show. But when the heat is on, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? When Jesus applies the pressure in your life, you ain't sitting at the feet of Jesus. You're upset. You're worrying like Martha. Now, there's nothing wrong with Martha and definitely nothing wrong with Mary. And Jesus was not trying to say, Mary, you're better than Martha and Martha's better than Mary. But what he was saying and pointing to is that we're all guilty. I'd say at least 99% of us here today, we're all guilty of worrying about something. Getting upset about something. I used to think that most of my worry was because I didn't have anything. Then later in life, as you get older, you accumulate a few things. And God blesses you, and if you do what God says to do, before long, you, you know, you have certain things. 
And then you say, well, surely if I got plenty of money in the bank and, and I've got all this neat stuff and, and I shouldn't worry. That's not true. Not that you should worry, but that doesn't mean because you have all that stuff that Satan's not smart enough to tempt you toward areas in your life or to send things in your life that will rattle your cage. And before long, if you're not careful, you worry, you're anxious. Jesus said to Martha in verse 41, you're worrying over the big dinner that's being prepared. How many of you ladies cook for Thanksgiving? Raise your hand. Come on, put it up real high. Everybody see. <clears throat> How many of you cook for Christmas dinner? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you, when it comes to Thanksgiving and it comes to Christmas, if you ain't careful because of that big old dinner you're cooking, maybe I need to ask the husbands of this. How many of you got, don't you raise your hand, guys. It's assassination when I'm setting you up. How many of you guys watch your wife get stressed out, and then she starts applying a little pressure on you, like, you ain't doing nothing but sitting there watching football. All you do is sit around. Why can't you? You start to sound like Martha. When you put it in our world, we got a lot of Marthas in here. I'm more of a Martha, and of course, I'm not a weird one now don't don't let me i'm a man okay but the personality type i'm a little bit more like martha than i am mary doesn't mean that i don't want to be at the feet of jesus because i do but i have that doing personality i i have that and sometimes it can be it can it can it can mess you up because you think everybody ought to do just like you do think like you do act like you do unfortunately you need to wake up. The world's not made like that. So Martha's house was full and dinner was fixing to be served. And Mary's at Jesus' feet, which that was a good thing. Jesus even said, Mary's doing what she needs to do. But it said in verse 41, also Jesus said unto Martha, 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 you get so upset. Over all the details. That's a Martha personality. You know, used to, in my world, I just stayed visionary. Just dream up something. Ask God to give me a vision. Give me a vision. But you know what? Just because you get a vision don't mean it's going to happen. Because you got to have some Marthas on board with you. You got to have some doers with you. And sometimes Marthas get upset. They get frustrated because they don't believe nobody's really wanting to help. And, and I'm telling you what, I, don't, I know it was a man and a bunch of other, several other putting this stuff together, but they did a good job. You need to just kind of give them hand preaching. I mean, that's wonderful. I feel like I'm preaching in the city. I am. <laughs> See me? But you know what? I guarantee you, if Amanda would get up here and honest, she's already had some frustrating moments. Because it looks like sometimes people don't want help. 
me get a little closer to you today. Worry, anxiety, apprehension, without doubt, is the ma- without a doubt, is one of the major problems of people struggling in churches and in homes out throughout this land. You put them in those three categories, worry, anxiety, and apprehension. It reminds me of a lady that I read about who was 40, for 40 years worried about she was going to die of cancer. She finally died of pneumonia at age 70. For 30 years, she wasted worrying about the wrong thing. 30 years. Some of you are worrying in this house about your children, about about your jobs, about other people around you. You're worrying about yourself. You're worrying about something. But you may be worrying if you're about the wrong thing. I would like to think I could preach this to me in my office, pre-coming out here, and wake up the next day and not have a worry on my mind. But unfortunately, worrying is a sin. And I don't know anybody in this church, I haven't met anybody, can't call you by name, that I think you're perfect. Just can't. I'd like to, but I can't because everybody's dealing with something. You just are. And, and, and we get all bent out of shape and all excited. We like to point fingers and get mad at somebody else when we're really getting mad at us because we ain't dealing spiritually on the inside very well with something. So you can go ahead and get mad at all the other people in the world you want to, but most likely you're mad at yourself. Because you got a dangling participle. Some of you go, what is that? I'll have to let Ashley explain that one. That's an English definition. Would you consider yourself, well, let me finish that in a bit. Well, I did. Would you consider yourself a worry wart? Sometimes I can do so good, y'all. And then all of a sudden, something will hit me. And, and if I ain't careful, I can't think right, I can't talk right, I can't walk right, I can't do right. I wish my name was Dudley Do Right, but it, it wouldn't work. You know, some people look at the preacher and say, he does it all right. No, I don't. I don't even try to do everything right. And get mad at me if you will, but I'll tell you something, you ain't either. You ain't doing it all right. You've got some things you need to deal with in your life, just as I do. But are you a worry wart? Webster's Dictionary says a worry wart is one who is inclined to worry unduly. Well, I'm picking on the ladies today, but this could be just as well the men. One lady said that she was worried because she was not worried. That's a worry wart. Are you someone who looks for something to worry about, such as the lady who convinced herself that she had an incurable liver condition? 
And she was worrying herself sick about it. And she finally went to the doctor. And after tests were run, the doctor said she had nothing to worry about anyway. The doctor said you wouldn't know if you had this condition because it causes no discomfort of any kind. And the lady said, oh, my goodness, that's my symptoms exactly. My friend, that's a worry work. Now, some of you want to worry. As a matter of fact, some of you think that that is a spiritual gift. It's not. It will take you out of your prayer closet. It will put you in the wrong attitude. It will rob you of Bible growth in you. Because it's a trust issue. You see, you either trust God or you don't. Amen? Well, go, turn to Matthew 6. I like what Jesus says about all this stuff. Because in Matthew 6, beginning with verse 25, Jesus exemplifies on this subject, I don't worry. Beginning with verse 25, he, Jesus says, So I tell you, don't worry. <laughs> I didn't say that. I can't. Because sometimes Mikey does. If Mikey will eat it and nobody else will, I understand Mikey sometimes worries when he shouldn't. So I tell you, don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or clothes. Doesn't life exist of more than food and clothing? Look at the birds. They don't need to plant, they don't need to plant or, or harvest or put food in barns because your heavenly Father feeds them. And if you're far more valuable to Him, are you? And you are far more valuable to Him than they are. Can all your worries add one single moment to your life? Well, of course not. And why worry about your clothes? Look at the lilies, how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all of his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he more surely care for you? You have, you have so little faith. So don't worry about having enough food or drink or clothing. Why be like the pagans who are so deeply concerned about these things? Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. And he will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So don't worry. <laughs> there are five things that Jesus, and I'll quickly list them, that not only did they worry about it then, but guess what? You're worrying about it today. You say, what do you mean, Mike? Well, number one, it's not on the outline, but I may not even get to the outline as slow as I'm going today. Someone has said that one of the things that Jesus is, is stomping on here is finances. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break through and steal. Some of you learned the hard way that if our outgo exceeds our income, then your upkeep is your downfall. You have too much month left at the end of your money, and you don't know what to do. Now, Mike Franklin has learned you get another job. If that ain't enough, you get another job. Now, let me preface that. 
You, everybody in this church needs to learn how to live on a budget. If you don't, you'll never have enough money. I mean, you need to have, learn how to live on forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year. I don't care if you make a million dollars there. If you don't do that, you're not a wise person. I mean, if you have over that, that's great. But if you spend everything you make, if you're just a high roller, you'll be like a preacher friend of mine. He don't ever have enough for nothing. And he makes good money. But he spends all he makes. That's why in years gone past, Larry Bequette, Dave Ramsey, all these guys, they got wonderful plans laid out for us to budget our money. But man, if you're so dumb that you can spend everything you make. And you see, and I learned a very good principle. You only keep what you give away. You hear that? You only keep what you're willing to give away. You see, sometimes it's, 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 it becomes all about us. And that's not why God blesses us, because it's going to be all about us. It's all about him. And if he's blessing you financially, you better understand something. You better, be, you better be seeking heavenly wisdom and, and a counsel in the Word of God with Jesus on this because he can turn those blessings off like a spigot. And then we'll see how well you, you don't worry. He, he brings up a second verse 25, food. Therefore, Jesus said, how many of you do not worry about your life or what you'll eat or what you should drink? Some of us, Need a little less food. We go to the table like it's our last meal every time we eat. And so then we gain weight. Uh, I've lost a good bit of weight and putting a little bit back on because I got tired of starving myself. But these suits that I wear, none of them fit. And I got ropes just as well tied around my waist because if, if the rope broke, it'd be embarrassing on this stage. On me, you'd need counseling. But I'm not going to go out and go buy another wardrobe because most likely, if I follow everybody else that goes on a diet, I'm going to get back looking just like I did four or five years ago because nobody stays disciplined for some reason in those areas. But you know what? I've And, and, and this, may, this may change in Mike Franklin's life. But when I went to Bible college and I lived on roughly $60, $80 a week for four years, $6,000 a year, four years, I never had to beg for bread. Never did. As a matter of fact, you know what? I'm happier. I was happier then when I didn't have nothing. I am now. God's just blessed me. Why is it, you ever thought about this? Why is it that the more you get, the more miserable you begin to act or feel on the inside? It don't have to be that way. I think it's because we start worshiping the blessing and forget the lesson. 
Man, I worshiped Jesus when I didn't have nothing. And, and I worship Jesus now, but, it, but I'm telling you what, I, I ain't had nothing. I, I was singing. I was happy. Nothing bothered me. I learned this statement. And I, and I used to hear people say this all the time. And my mama used to say, if I had a million dollars, I said, if you had a million dollars, you'd not only mess yourself up, you'd mess somebody else up. Because you ain't dealing with what you do have right. So why should God give you a million dollars? Now, you think about that. There's a lot of wisdom in that. If you're faithful over the small things, God will then bless you what? With the larger things. Because why? He can trust you. He can trust you. He talks about our fitness. Now, you know what? In our earlier days, I preached this a little different. I was a pump and iron. I never was ripped. I didn't know what that meant. I thought that's my britches had a hole in them. But I didn't know what ripped mean until later on. And, and now I do. It means you got a six-pack. I pretty well got a case now. But I don't understand this. People all the time say, you know what? I don't have time to serve God. I don't have time to go to church. I don't have time to go to Bible study. I don't have time to get concerned about Jesus. I don't have time to help in vacation Bible school. But yet you make it to the gym every day. You make sure you, you, you uh, do your lifts, leg lifts, back lifts, head lifts, whatever lifts. You make sure your biceps looking good. Takes time for that to happen. Then somebody says, hey, man, I need you to help me in the, the ministry. I ain't got time. <laughs> well, when you start putting your fitness over God, be careful. Be careful. Fashion. People worrying about clothing. There are people, some of you worry about your clothing now. Jesus said, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, neither do toil nor their spin. But the fashion was under Solomon's array was, and, and under God's creation was wonderful. <clears throat> you know, some of you think you can't walk without having the name brand tennis shoe. I, I, when I was coming up as, as a younger pastor, I, I liked to embarrass my kids. And believe it or not, I played basketball. We had a basketball league. We put it on, me and Sam Johnson and Pete Roberts. We had churches like Hebrew. We had churches everywhere playing. And when I went out on the field, I got these kids that were canary yellow. My kids used to say, Dad, what the heck are you doing? I said, I'm wearing my canary yellow kid tennis shoe. You know, today you got to pump them up and then let the air out up. And then, and then y'all like the ones where you walk and they light up. I don't want to see, I don't want nobody see me coming. Some of you so regimented that you've got to have all these certain kind of brand names and spend all this mega. You wouldn't go to a thrift store if it cost you your life to buy a shirt. Boy, you're sad. You spend $100 for a shirt and get mad at me because I tell you to tie. If you went to the Salvation Army or our thrift store somewhere and found some clothing, you might take the rest of it and give to God. And you know what? You'd be surprised what you find in there. Good stuff. 
I was in Bass Pro to got me these new boots. I thought they was going to be good for bird walking, in, but they hurt my feet. And I got a, I, they were $100 shoes, and I got them for like $35. And one of the eyelets was missing. I almost got mad. And I looked up in the thrift store, and there was a pair on the top. You know, we are so prideful, aren't we? we we're, so, we're so regimented. We're so programmed worldly-wise that we don't, we're not very creative anymore. But we'll worry, won't we? We'll worry when we don't have $100 to pay for a pair of shoes. When you can get them for $5 in a thrift store somewhere. Same brain. And then, of course, the future. You know what the word worry means? It means to choke. It means to strangle. It causes one to feel troubled or uneasy. Why do I worry, Mike? Turn to Philippians chapter 4. We'll read this passage and wind it up. Paul teaches us here in verse 6, Philippians 4. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. If you do this, you'll experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. If you prayed about what you're worrying about, now, if you don't believe Jesus anyway, don't pray. Worry. Just worry. But now if you believe in Jesus and Jesus is in you, then what you're going through, through one of the members who give me these, this thought and it's, it works, what you're going through is either going to be a blessing or a lesson. And some of us need to learn some lessons. You love blessings. You love to be blessed, but you don't like to be stressed. Let me tell you something. I don't either, but ministry, is, and I wouldn't even begin to trade shoes with Butch Scruggs. And I love all you guys, but what Butch Scruggs and Miss Joan has to go through is stressful. But I'm telling you right now, there ain't nobody love you guys more than Joan and Butch Scruggs. You may not like them, but they love you. There's, there's a lot of people in this church, you don't like me, but I love you. I love you to death. But you see, if we're running around trying to get free handouts and enabled and all this other kind of stuff, you ain't going to learn nothing. And, and let me tell you something. Stress is good. Because sometimes that stress that comes on your life may be because you have a weak spot that needs to be strengthened. And what does the Bible say about our weaknesses? The, weak, the goal of the weakness is not to take you over to destroy you. The, the goal of the weakness is to make you strong. Why do some of you worry like you do? Well, some of you worry because it's out of your power to settle the worry, settle the issue. Some of you worry because of the uncertainty of the outcome of your issue. Some of you worry because you feel like you've lost control of your circumstance. By the way, you're not supposed to be in control anyway. If Jesus is not in control of your circumstances, 
you're stressed out. He's supposed to be in control. Paul says, in everything that we do, don't worry, but what? Pray. Give it to God. Let him have it. Well, he don't know anything about high voltage lines. He don't. How do you think we got it? Do you know the voltage when a lightning bolt hits this earth? Probably more than we've ever harnessed on a rock pile somewhere with transformers. Tell you something. God knows it all. Knows it all. He knows where you're stressing. He knows where you're worrying. He knows where you're fretting. He knows where he's got things pulling tight on you a little bit to, to, to teach you so he can bless you. Man, if you walked around whistling all the time and didn't have a little bit of adversity, it would make me wonder if you're growing spiritually. An artist was painting a picture of Daniel Boone's portrait. And as he stuck his brush in the palette, he said, Mr. Boone, have you ever been lost in the woods? And Daniel Boone said, well, I know I've never been lost, but I was bewildered once for three days. (laughs) Let me tell you something. When it comes to worrying, we sit there a bit bewildered. Wondering, why am I going through this much mental, emotional, and spiritual anguish? When Paul makes it real plain here that you and I, we definitely don't have the peace of God when we're worrying. And the peace of God is what guards our hearts and our minds through our life in Christ Jesus. So what's the balance of words? Peace. And if we don't have peace, then we're what? We're worrying. Fretting. Well, that was the introduction. I know I, I, I understand. I was slow today. I've often said it takes me, I'd never be able to be a truck driver because I need a fifty acre field to turn around in. And that's how I feel today. But that's okay. If God's been speaking to you through the introduction, one day I'll, tell, I'll share with you the points. But I want to close with this illustration. Several years ago in the Navy, there was a submarine that went out for test. And in the midst of that test, a storm hit. And when that storm hit, when they returned from being submerged for so many hours and they returned to the harbor, the captain asked this, how did that terrible storm last night affect you? And the captain looked at him and said, what storm? You see, we didn't know there was even a storm going on. The sub had been so far beneath the surface And that it had reached an area known to sailors as the cushion of the sea. The ocean can be whipped into huge waves by high winds, but the water below in the cushion of the sea are never disturbed. 
God's peace is our cushion in the midst of the storm. And while, you know what? When my dear loved one was looking for me last week, high as God evident, she scared me. Where you at? What do you mean, where am I at? You can run, but you can't hide. I said, dear God, I called my brother. I said, what is wrong with our sister? All of a sudden, a text, shut up! Be quiet! Dear Lord. And then about that time, I had him on the phone, and it looked like her Volkswagen passed me from coming from my house, and she don't know my address. I said, Gary, what am I up against? I said, you've been living with her every day. Tell me what's going on. He told me. But I'll be honest with you. I got scared, my son got scared, and my grandson wanted to go home. I said, what's wrong with you, McLean? I'm scared. I'm scared somebody's going to get me. I want to go home. Isn't it amazing how somebody else but is a loved one can get all out of sorts, but not only drive them out of sorts, but everything connected to them. You see, when you and I worry, we pay a toll. Because before long, your kids are going to want to worry. Your wife's going to be worrying. Everybody you're around going to worry. Because it's like an infection. It spreads to everybody. With your head bowed and your eyes closed. I can only tell you this because it's what I have to do. When I get fearful, when I get to worrying, when I get anxious, when I get stressed, I find the cushion of the sea. And me and Jesus just have to get alone. And then the peace comes. The enemy wants you to fret, to stress, to get mad, to quit. Jesus wants you to stay with the stuff. What you're going through is either a blessing or it'll be a lesson. Would you stand with me? Heads bowed. Some of you need to make your way to this altar. And and you don't need to talk to me. You need to talk to Jesus. Because you need to find that sweet spot to where you finally say, what storm? What storm? As Patty begins to sing, some of you may need to make your way to this altar and find that sweet spot of peace of where worry is no more. Where fear dissipates. Trust in Jesus becomes your ultimate goal.
What you're facing is either going to be a blessing or turn it into a Author Amon, bless uh, Asselstein and Marcy's father. Marcy's father has cancer. You sent him home with hospice. Please remember him. Chip Fisher has esophagus cancer, and we'll be doing many, 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 many rounds of chemo and radiation. Remember him in your prayers. Of course, Les, come home from the hospital and doing better. Please remember Betty Jenkins. Uh, that's Ed's wife, Christina's grandmother. She's not doing well. And uh, she's been homebound for some time, but tries to get out some. Came to church a time or two, but she's struggling. And so please remember her. Also, today I, uh, I'm not trying to look like a Catholic or, or uh, anything else. I've got a funeral to go to, and i got to be there in about 30 minutes. So uh, out at Zion. So uh, Betty McAdams, her son Keith passed away. And Betty McAdams used to be a member of this church back when we were up at the office park, and, and uh, we've known her for 36 years, her and her, her deceased husband. And uh, Maddie Allen had fallen, and she messed up some vertebrae in her back. And I talked to her last week. You need to remember her in your prayers, so I hope you'll do that. Again, I'm not trying to be unsociable, but I got, I got to hustle today. So as soon as I get through with the prayer, I got to get to the office and fly. So, But I love you. And please, help our Vacation Bible School this. If you've got kids in your neighborhood or somebody needs to be under, under some good teaching for children, invite them to come. Bring your kids. And we look for a good Vacation Bible School starting this evening and uh, through Thursday night. And just be praying for the workers. Be praying for Amanda as she leads it. And that everybody will just have a good time.